Hi, welcome back to another episode of Imperfect Me Women. This is episode two of season two, and I'm so excited to introduce you all to Karen Salisbury. She talks a lot about her own struggles with anxiety and getting on medication for that, and then also kind of parenting through her children's different mental health struggles and how she was able to uh, be more successful in that because of her own experience in her own mental health journey. There's so much good information in this episode, and especially if you're a parent um, of tweens or teens, then you're definitely going to want to listen to this episode because it has so much good in it. So I will let you guys get to it, and I'll follow up at the end. Karen is the recipient of the McCart Fellowship for the 2019 Writers in Paradise Conference, an adjunct professor and a mother of six children. She is currently revising a novel from the perspectives of two sisters concerning fertility and eating disorder, questions of faith and religion, and family dysfunction. She writes poetry and occasionally facilitates writing for wellness workshops. Her favorite treat is just about anything chocolatey or cheesecakey, and she almost always carries Skittles, Starburst, or Albanese in her backpack, along with a plethora of flare pins in multiple colors. Awesome. That is so cool about the McCart Fellowship. Can you talk more about that? Um, well, last summer, no, last fall, I was able to... Um, an opportunity to workshop in Florida in January and I thought who doesn't want to go to Florida in January so I submitted Uh, (laughs) I submitted like (laughs) um like 20 20 ish pages of my novel 25 pages and um was able to receive that fellowship so they paid for my tuition um and I got a little travel stipend to workshop with um, a writer who has published over 20 novels and worked with Stephen King. So that was, it was really a treat wow. for me. So it's good. Yeah, that's yeah, amazing. Thanks. Well, awesome. Thanks so much for sharing kind of about your accomplishments and your life in general. Um, I know that you kind of came with a specific story and journey to share. So I can just turn the time over to you for that, wherever you would like to start. Okay. Well, I think I'll start a couple of years ago. I was in the middle of my thesis year for my master of fine arts degree in creative writing. So I was working a lot on my writing project for that. And um, I was at my house all by myself and my body started freaking out in stress mode. And I didn't realize what was going on but I couldn't find anyone home. And all I could think about was if like my elementary school child came home and found me like, you know, not in a good situation. And so that added to my trauma of the moment. And I um, finally found a friend that was home and, or at least somebody that would answer their phone. And she said, I think you're having a panic attack. And I was like, oh, oh, that's what this is. I'm having a panic attack. And I was kind of not acknowledging my stress at all. And I'd had panic attacks before just a few times, but 
not in like a, oh, I'm home by myself and there's nothing going on. And, and like, I was totally not acknowledging my stress. Out of nowhere. Was, yeah. Like going uh-huh. fine. And so I was like, today was going to be like a work day. And anyway, so yeah. So I called my doctor and they got me in that afternoon and I took a walk with a friend and was able to calm down a little bit. And, um, it was just, it was a rough day. And so when I went in to talk to my doctor, she was like, yeah, this sounds a lot like, you know, anxiety and you're kind of in a, in a trauma situation. And I think we should give you some medication for that. And I was like, okay. Like I, you know, like in my head, I was like, okay, I don't think I'm that bad. I think I'm okay. And right. But then like within the first couple of weeks of taking the medicine, I started laughing again and I didn't realize Mm. how long it had been since I was able to laugh and just have fun with my children. And this is going to sound crazy, but like I used to think that if my children overslept that they were dead, like that was immediately Mm -hmm. where my mind would go. And, and so I remember like, yeah, it was all kind of right around two weeks of taking the medication I remember sitting on the couch one Sunday morning and my kiddos were sleeping late and I was like, oh, they're just sleeping late. And I was like, wait, I mm-hmm. normally think they're like dead. And then I was like, holy cow, like this is, oh, sorry, that's like a, an Indian story. I didn't mean to say that, but, um, but I was like, this is awesome. Like I, you know, like I could, I had this like new like helper to help me get through these stressful situations. And so, mm-hmm. I found that that was super helpful and not that I don't have anxiety now or panic occasionally when I'm in a really stressful situation, but I feel like that and some therapy have, have been really helpful for me and my journey and my, um, just like my family and the way that I can help. I don't know. Just like my functionality is so much better. And I feel like my life is so much better after having, like been more proactive about my mental health, mm-hmm. which additionally leads me to like my, I just started noticing like so much anxiety in some of my children and the depression because I was able to get myself out of that state and, and feel a little, you know, calmer. And so for me to be able to be in a better place, like emotionally and mentally has really been helpful to me as a mother and as I've seen anxiety mm-hmm. and depression in my own children, um, it's it's been helpful to, you know, for me to kind of be at least, you know, clear of some of that fog so that I can help them right. through their challenges as a parent. Yeah, and kind so- of that whole... Um- Putting your oxygen mask on before. Right. Before you put your kids off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's been really helpful. And so I, I think the first child that we noticed there was a an issue with, I, I think it was even before we knew that there was self-harm involved, but there was a lot of anxiety, like social anxiety. And so mm-hmm. we sought out you know, just a doctor and we sought a therapist and our, like, I felt like I needed to build my skill set too, as far as trying to be able to emotionally support them with, you know, coping mechanisms and, 
and things like that so that I can right. help them in the moment. Cause even with the child I'm talking about now, the, the therapy was helpful, but the child did not feel as open with the therapist as I would have liked. And so I felt like I knew more about mm-hmm. what was going on than, than the therapist did at, at least, you know, from the child's perspective, because the child would share with gotcha, me, not yeah. the therapist. And so that would get tricky. And, and so then I found myself going to therapy so that I could get help to help the child. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure there's a bit of a learning curve there because it's, it's one thing to be able to know how, what works for you and what is helpful for you as an adult, but it's a whole other thing to be able to implement that with kids. It is. And, you know, and they're, they're each very different. And so one really positive thing that came out of the therapy was the therapist recommended we add an additional medication. And that was really huge for that child. And so Mm -hmm. um, I learned a lot about brain chemicals and supporting brain chemicals and things like that through that experience. Yeah. So, and then we had another child that was very young and when the child started processing some trauma that had happened a couple years earlier became suicidal and so that was really difficult because the child was still was still elementary aged and so wow i'm sure that's heavy how to approach that yeah yeah and generally a happy child so it was difficult and we sought the regular doctor and we tried a medication which worked really well for about six months and then um, we sought help through you know the school system and some other things and tried to get some resources in place to help and um, it was a lot Uh, we ended up having to change medications and get a psychiatrist for that child but now that child's doing much better too so that's Awesome. That's a happy end to that story. I know that they're not always happy, but yeah, it's it can be really yeah. difficult and challenging and taxing on parents. So I had to remember to, you know, keep up my self-care and journal and, and keep myself in a good place so that I could support them through their struggles and challenges. Right. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about, because I know when you first started talking about how you went to the doctor and they suggested medication for the first time, how that was kind of a moment for you. And I think that that happens a lot for people that they, they're like, am am I that bad? Like, there's no way because there's this, (laughs) there's this like misconception about medication that it seems like really the only truly crazy people use it (laughs) or would need it to be able to help regulate themselves. And so how do you feel like that perspective has changed for you now that you've had some children on medication and yourself as well? Yeah, I would say that, I mean, especially like growing up and, and the, maybe the time period and the the external culture and then also the family culture that I grew up in, it was not acceptable to take medication for any kind of mental health Mm -hmm. um, challenges or concerns. And so that was really difficult. I have a, a family member 
who started having anxiety about taking the anxiety medication, you know, like, like I can't take this. It's going to mess up my, you know, my life and my feelings and my thoughts. And, and so I, after that person shared that with me, I I thought, you know, I did kind of have a little bit of that because I didn't want to lose myself. Right. And I remember like checking in with a friend and, and at first it was really scary to even tell people that I had started taking medication. Like, my brain would still be like, everyone's going to know, people are going to know or whatever. And, and I think it was just part of the anxiety. And yeah. And so I was, I, I really did go through kind of a challenge, but like I said, it, I mean, it worked so quickly for me, like within two weeks, I kind of kept a little diary just to kind of keep tabs on how I was feeling. And it was really interesting because, like I said, right around that two-week mark, I noticed such an extreme difference and being able to just, like, maintain rational thought that I was like, oh, I am really grateful that we have medication. I did a check-in with a very close friend of mine, and I was like, I was like, just so you know, you know, this is where I am. I started taking this however long ago, and, and I said, I just... I just want to check in with you because I know you'll tell me the truth. And I'm like, do you feel like I'm, I'm different? You know? Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, you just seem happier. And I was like, okay, I'll take that. Uh-huh. I'll take that. I would like to be happier. Yeah. So. Yeah. So when they suggested for your kids that they, they might need medication or that you could put them on medication. Did you go through the same anxiety process or was it easier or different in any way? Well, I think it was a little bit different because we just weren't sure what was going to work. I mean, it was the same for me, but I guess I'm it's like, I'm like, Oh, well, it's me. I'll take it. Right. Right. But for right. my kids, it's like, I, I don't want them to have to suffer longer than is needful. And I guess with kids and maybe, you know, this because of your profession, but one of the things that I learned from our healthcare professionals was that it can backfire kind of like it did with, with my elementary kiddo that it worked for mm-hmm. a few months and then it kind of backfired. And so we had to switch medication. And so it's, it's tricky because it can make symptoms worse if it's not the right medication, you know? So I think I was more, right hesitant I'm not hesitant to give them medication but just like like just checking in with them often and so I was like okay how are we doing today and how you know how are you feeling and and so we were doing Mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of check-ins through that time just to make sure that it was actually helping more than than hurting them at the time yeah that makes sense yeah that is something to be aware of even yeah even as adults um that's always something to be aware of is that if for whatever reason you don't feel like the medication is working, there's no need to stay with it for a long period of time. There's always other options to try. And definitely with kids, I think that's really wise to, to constantly be checking in and, and making sure that it's actually doing them good and not, like you said, causing additional harm. Right. Yeah. So we just have to be really careful with them through that but yeah Yeah. I'm really grateful now that I feel like knock on wood that everybody's in in a pretty healthy place um 
not to say that we don't still struggle with anxiety and depression and, and other things, but it's just really important to, I think, communicate, you know, like just mm-hmm. have open communication and that, that I feel like as a culture, we're doing better with not having so much stigma attached to mental illness, but I feel like we also have to talk about it. Right. For people to be like, oh, that person seems normal, but they're taking medication or whatever, you know, and and I know that there are people, a lot of people that, you know, will take medication or go through therapy or do both or in different periods of their lives because we all have, you know, personal trauma and we have global trauma. And, and so it's important for us to be able to process those things and work through them and, and learn good coping strategies. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so I kind of wanted to talk a little bit more about that because I think a lot of people going through difficult situations and especially around mental health and with the stigma involved, I think you're right that it is getting better, but I, did you feel like at, while you were going through it as a family with your kids and also personally, that there was a time when you couldn't be real or that either, maybe you couldn't, but, um, that you didn't want to be honest with other people around you that maybe you wanted to hide the struggle that you were dealing with? I feel like I don't personally gravitate to that. Mm -hmm. Um, I've seen a lot of people in my life who have kind of not been super authentic during challenges. And I feel like they're doing themselves a disservice. So I've kind of made a conscious effort to, be open. And I feel like if I don't share the stories, like, like with my child that has done self-harm, I feel like that's a lot more common than we talk about. And I learned so much in the process of, of knowing that that was happening in my home and understanding that it's not necessarily tied to suicide, which is what I like immediately thought. My immediate thought was, oh, if they're willing to cut themselves, they're willing to kill themselves, you know, and, and sometimes it's just an endorphin boost that they need or something to focus on. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, I feel like kind of, I kind of feel like I have a responsibility to debunk some of that a little bit because I have spent time educating myself. And so I feel like it's important to share things like that. I will say, you know, the first time the child actually came to us and was cutting in a place that was covered by clothing. So they removed the clothing and we could see the marks and the scars and mm. the, and that, I mean, that was one of those pivotal mother moments, you know, and, and it was traumatic for me to see that my child was actually hurting themselves. And, and so I, I think that it's, it's important for us to, support and not shame and but then also like I remember writing a lot about that you know because that's one way that I process things and it was very difficult for me to see that you know because you think you love your child and you have spent so much time trying to nurture and and help them be healthy and and obviously that was a cry for help so that's something that I feel I I feel like my biggest challenge there is telling my part of the story and not invading their privacy. Right. 
I will say that most of my children are really open about, you know, like my child that has had cutting issues doesn't seem to bother if, if we're talking about that. But I, you know, I, I do try to be careful if I'm sharing specific things. I do try to monitor who I would tell too many details to other than like the base skeleton story. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. That makes sense. You want to respect their story as their own. Right. So I try to tell the part that's mine and my reaction to what we've been through. So, yeah. So how do you feel like you have been able to keep your relationship with your kids strong enough that they would be willing to come to you with something like, Hey mom, I'm cutting. Cause that's something I'm always super nervous about with having younger kids is how do you make sure that that relationship is, is there when they're older and really struggling with things alone? Yeah, that's, that is tricky. I feel like my number one job as a parent is to love my children with like no conditions. Mm -hmm. And so I I try to share that with them. And sometimes, I mean, sometimes that's a really difficult job for me as a parent to, you know, to cultivate that, that love without judgment or yeah. Yeah. Condition, I guess. Um, And so I, I had an experience with one of my children a while ago. Somebody had shared this story with me on a couple different occasions and they said that they would share with their child. They would say, I love everything about you. And I remember one of my children was, this was years ago. So I think maybe six or seven. And it was one of my children that I, at the time was having a difficult time loving. Mm -hmm. And so I said, I love everything about you. And the child looked at me and they said, no, you don't. (laughs) And I was like, Oh my gosh, (laughs) like seriously, but the child called me out on it. And I was Uh like, like the child is right. Like I really don't love everything about this child right now. Uh And so then I realized I had some work to do. And so I started to really try to find things about this child that I love. And now it's kind of a joke because I'll be like, (laughs) I'll text or just like, get up close to them and I'll be like, guess what? And they'll be like, you love everything about me. And I'm like, (laughs) I do, you know? And so I think it's just like cultivating that acceptance and then talking about the hard topics. I mean, we talk about sexuality a lot in our home. We talk about pornography. We talk about masturbation. We talk about, you know, a lot of these things that I, I feel like, may still be taboo in some homes, but I feel like because the kids have Mm -hmm. the internet and Google and phones and so, you know, access to so much information that if we're not talking about it and making our homes a safe place to talk about it, then they're not going to trust us with the hard stuff. They're not going to be like, look, I I had a bleach bottle open and I was going to drink it, you know, and which is something I never thought I would hear, but it's something one of my children has said to me and And it's terrifying, but it's also like, it makes me so grateful that they feel like they can use me as a sounding board or come to me when they are struggling. Mm -hmm. And so honestly, I don't know what I've done. I've really tried to love them. I've tried to be open. I've tried to educate them. And I think I've just been lucky. 
that that they're willing to be open and share and talk through things with me. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of it has to do with the work that you did for yourself too. That being, because I imagine initially all of those topics that you talked about, sexuality and masturbation and all of the, the hard, more taboo topics, I imagine there was some self-work that you did in, in order to even be comfortable having those conversations and talking about your struggles with your kids and being open about those things. Do you feel like that's kind of accurate? Yes, I do feel like I've, yeah, I've had to do a lot of, of self-education because, you know, we think about how it is difficult in in our society sometimes to find those, those voices of acceptance. And Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I have tried to work really hard to just be an accepting human myself, like no matter who comes up to me or what situation they're in or what they look like that no matter who they are that I can look at them with respect as you know as as a fellow human and someone I share the planet with and and so that that helps me I don't know feel better as a human on this planet to just feel like I'm you know I don't want to feel like I don't like people or I'm you know judging people I don't feel like that's my job Mm -hmm. so I feel like I'm here to love and support people. And so whether it's in my home with my children or at the university where I work or in my neighborhood or my community or my my faith congregation, no matter where I am, I feel like it's really important to just try to support people um, because everyone's struggling. And I've tried to teach that to my kiddos that, that it doesn't matter who you see, some things you can see on the outside, but most of it, is internal, you know, going back to my issues, you know, my body manifested outside in this panic attack of, of what was going on inside. And, but no one was with me. Nobody saw that. Mm-hmm. And so, so I try to help my kiddos and, and other people in my life recognize that it's important for us to, to spread that love and acceptance and, and try to be understanding of people no matter where they are. Yeah. And I can imagine modeling that behavior for your kids is such a key point in being able to, because if you're, if you're coming home every day and saying, did you see so-and-so do this and, and talking in a judgmental (laughs) way, then what's going to make them want to come to you when they're struggling with something similar and trust you with that? You know, like, why are they going to trust you if you've been modeling that behavior? So I love that even beyond your own family, you're showing your kids an example of acceptance and love so that they can see that you live, you live the things that you're trying to teach them. Well, I'm absolutely not perfect at that, but I do try. None of us are perfect, but I think it's a great thing to strive for. And it sounds like you've done a pretty good job as far as your kids are concerned. Thank you. Well, awesome. So so if there's somebody listening right now who has kids who are going through similar things, let's say there's a mom who just found out that her daughter is cutting or her son is cutting and, or dealing with anxiety on their own or depression as a parent, what, what would be a small 
bit of advice that you could give them as like a first step or something to consider as they kind of start trying to figure out all of this stuff? I would say, you know, try to educate yourself about what's around your community. And also, you know, I mean, I I would be prayerful about it, but, you know, I guess if people don't pray, maybe just try to figure out where the good energy is for you around people in your community that you feel like you can approach. Because I, I do believe it's far more common than we want to believe as I started becoming more open about what I was going through, I, it was almost like this world opened up to me of a support system of people that had gone through or were going through or were at the beginning of going through similar challenges. And so I feel like I've been able to be helped by others on this path and also help others on this path. And so I would say, try to find people around you that are going to love and accept you or your child wherever they are and find those people that are going to going to help help you through this help you work through finding a good solution or at least a better place to be in yeah so a good support system that can help you through it yeah i think that's pretty key awesome and and that can be in your community it can be a good therapist it can be a psychiatrist you know but but you're going to have to cultivate whatever within yourself that lets you open your mouth to start asking for resources. And so I, I think that's one of the biggest things for me. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Karin, for sharing kind of your journey and, and the things that you've learned and struggled with. I feel like it's really beneficial for other people to hear stories like this and know that they're not alone in their own struggles. So thank you for being willing to share that. Thank you for chatting with me, Kellen. I'm always blown away with this process of interviewing these women, how um, different their stories are, but in a lot of ways, the way that they share and the openness in them is the same. And I'm so grateful that each of these women who have been on my podcast and who you'll hear in uh, subsequent episodes, how vulnerable they're willing to be and how open they are. And I'm just, I always feel very privileged to have that opportunity to talk with them and share their stories in that way. So I hope that you enjoyed this episode. There's so much good to take out of it. And if you did enjoy it, I would always appreciate a good review on iTunes or any podcasting site that you are listening. And If you would like to get to know me better or find me, then you can look at imperfectmewomen.com. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram under imperfectmewomen. And I am grateful for another opportunity for another episode. And I will see you guys in a couple of weeks.